So this is Race Talk School Talk, a podcast about race and racism in education. Uh, Dr. Chadwick James Galloway back for another episode. There are some interesting things uh, that are happening and have been happening in the state of Texas around education, of course, particularly in the context of the city of Houston. And so a couple months ago, uh, probably sometime in February, maybe March, could have been April. Um, last couple months have been a blur for me personally. Um, the state of Texas overtook Houston ISD, a predominantly black school district uh, in the in the city. And so since then, uh, and, and, you know, to, to cover the context of that episode, the, the general gist was that the 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 action of this of of the the state government to overtake this school system um, of predominantly black and, and brown children predominantly black children historically black uh, neighborhood neighborhoods schools um, was that it was a unequitable and unfair and race based action particularly because of uh, the the population that attends the location. And, and, and really, if we, we push further, um, Houston ISD, the location of Houston ISD, and even Houston for that matter, is a, uh, a, a blue dot in a very, very red state. And so uh, the, the democratically elected school board uh, and, and other members of the, 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 the Houston ISD um, <clears throat> community have no... Uh, say in what now happens to this this school district, superintendent, mayor, et cetera, et cetera, um, has 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 no basis, has no um, ability to stop anything that happens in the school district due to scores um, or or due to uh, what is foreseen or what is being. Um, understood as poor test scores or, or poor performance of students. And, I mean, we can talk at a different time about why those metrics can be jacked up, but it's important to talk about what is actually happening and, and what has been happening and what will continue to happen in Houston as a result of this takeover. And so a couple of days ago, the 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 current person who is over um, – over Houston ISD decided uh, to to say that hey we are no longer going to have school libraries we are no longer in Houston ISD this is Mike Miles the the, the superintendent we are no longer going to have libraries at 28 of these schools instead of having libraries there will now be turned into disciplinary centers spaces for children um, teenagers who may have challenges within the classroom behavioral challenges or even mental health challenges for that matter any sort of challenge challenge that may disrupt the uh, the, the the regular classroom space. They will not be able to be educated in that space. They will be removed and they will be taken to a room that was once the library, which means that 
Houston ISD is now and and to be fair, Mike Miles, the person who proposed this plan and wants to repurpose these school libraries or discipline centers, they are now taking books out of these schools that serves again, that serves again, 22.4% black students and 61%, almost 62% Hispanic and Latinx students. Now, to be fair, to be clear here, um, you know, we, we don't know within that Hispanic Latinx group, how many of those students are also of different racial groups? Because of course, uh, Hispanic, Latino, or ethnicity, they are not a, a racial category. And so those numbers could could possibly um, <clears throat> be shifted a bit, a little bit. But regardless, they are taking books, libraries, spaces of learning out of the HS, uh, the, uh, the Houston ISD school system and replacing them with punishment centers, discipline centers, spaces that are meant to not necessarily change or alter the behavior of these black and brown kids, but just meant to solely punish them. And so when we, when we look at um, kind of what this plan it kind of uh, displays, it, it's essentially creating a system where students will have no access to books. They'll have no access to technology. And to me, it seems like it's going to be a room with a couple walls and some tables, a room of, of silence, a room where, again, a, a form of in-school detention, <clears throat> maybe a little bit worse. Students who are having disciplinary struggles or problems, they will be sent to these spaces and they will get their homework done. Or they'll watch virtual lessons on the content that they would have learned in class. To me, this sounds like solitary confinement, let alone a prison. But of course, we know that our schools in the country in the United States often model and look like prisons. Because again, I've said this time and time and time again, whether on this podcast or in other spaces, this would not be happening to white students in the suburbs or even in the country or in the rural parts of the nation for that matter or of the state this only happens to certain racial demographics and populations. Things like this. The reason why <clears throat> the reason why the state took over Houston ISD was to help bring up test scores. At least that's what they would say. And so I'm curious as to how taking books out of the school and implementing a solitary confinement a, a, a model that matches the prison industrial complex, how it will help increase test scores and not train these students to enter the prison industrial com uh, complex one day. Because that's what it seems like this plan is meant to do, in my opinion. And so what we're seeing right now is that there's, for Houston ISD and for the people in control of Houston ISD, there's not really a checks and balance for 
what's happening here. There are a number of parents that protested a couple of days ago that were very unhappy with this decision, with this move, with, with how this is going to play out for, of course, their kids. And I'm sure there are teachers that are unhappy. I'm sure there are administrators that are unhappy. I know that there has to be librarians that are unhappy. So there's a, there's a number of problems that I have with this. I mean, obviously, there are a bunch of librarians that are out of a job, and that's problematic, of course. And then the next phase of why this is an issue, for, for, for students in general, and, and I don't want to make this about good students and, and bad students, because I, I don't think that's a, an appropriate um, <clears throat> way to frame this discussion. Every single child has the right to receive a, a high-quality education. Should have the right. We know that's not how it works. That's definitely not how it works. It's definitely not how it works within the United States. But education should be a human right. It's not, but it should be a human right. To take libraries out of these institutions it hurts children it punishes children who are doing the right and the wrong thing the 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 thing that you want them to do and the thing that you don't want them to do regardless of if the kid or children or child or a group of them come into the school and <clears throat> they had a rough night they had a rough day they had a rough weekend they're hungry they 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 need uh, certain things to, to feel good on the inside, to feel happy, to feel comfortable, to feel safe, to feel loved, regardless of however they enter the threshold of the building, increasing discipline and taking out the resources, the places, the pieces that they have to escape their everyday reality is not going to help them. And I'm saying this as a former educator, Literally, there are books where students see themselves or they see an alternate reality that gets them out, out of and away from the world that they have to inhabit, that they're forced to inhabit, that they didn't ask to necessarily be in. I think that there haven't been enough people that have actually been educators and have actually been in the classroom and in, in classrooms that aren't. Uh, situated on a ton of privilege because you see very interesting things. And so for me, when I think about this situation, this removal of knowledge, of the ability to escape, the ability to separate, it tells me what is important. And it's not education. And it's not knowledge and it's not protecting people's right to learn or the students who, in quotes, can pay attention or do the right thing in class, end quote. It's about punishment. It's about saying that learning or books are a right, regardless of whether. Well, no, it's about saying books are a, a right only for the people who are doing the correct thing. And I don't think that's right, and I don't think that's fair. And I don't honestly think that helps the students who may have challenging days or challenging moments where it's hard for them to sit still in class, 
or it's harder for them to behave in class or it's challenging them for, for them to pay attention to material because they never had a teacher reach them on their level or accurately teach the content or because they've never had an educator um, who was actually certified, which happens more than people know or think. So this is, is, is deeply sad and problematic. And while parents and teachers and librarians are, are speaking out about this, I'm only left with questions, like for the superintendent. Did he attend a school without libraries? Did his children, if he has children, attend schools without libraries? Did his spouse, if he has, rel if he has a spouse, of course, if he has siblings, cousins, friends, what did their schools look like? Were there libraries, were there books? How did they complete their work on a daily basis? Where were they sent when there were issues of discipline? These are questions that will go unanswered but still questions that I hope whoever listens to this podcast now or years or, well, days, weeks, months, years from now, <clears throat> considers. What was the educational environment that you learned in? And why is it okay to have a system of education where children, 20, 30 minutes away, white children, fluent white children or children of parents, white parents that are very affluent. <clears throat> what is it about their schools that allows them to keep their libraries? And what is it about black and brown people that says we should take theirs away? And the, to, to go further in this as a scholar, someone with a doctoral degree and PhD studies education, think I know something. I'm just so curious of what scholarly data, what public data, what records indicate that children's children do better when books and libraries are no longer in the building. This is Race Talk, School Talk, a podcast about race and racism in education. Dr. Chadra James Galloway, I'll get at y'all next time.